0: Hello everybody, it's so good to be with you today. I wish I could be there in person, as I'm sure you do, uh, at the church in Venue 2, rather than here in my home office. Uh, But nonetheless, it's great uh, to be able to connect with you in this way. Um, I would like to talk to you this morning about the subject of resilience. And if I was to give this message a title, it would probably be this, A Resilient Life. resilient life. If we were to look into the dictionary just to remind ourselves what the word resilient means, we would read something like this. It means recoiling, springing back, resuming original form after stretching, bending, etc. In another context it can also mean buoyant. Therefore this elastic band is resilient. I can stretch it, I won't do it too far, but I can stretch it and then when I let it go it resumes its original form. I stretch it, I stretch it and stretch it and then I let it go and it goes back to its original form. It's resilient. Also, to remind you of science when you were in junior school, I'll take a step or two back. I have a table tennis ball, I have some water and hopefully I can do this without pouring it on myself, as I put the ball under the water and put pressure on it, it submerges. But when I let go of the pressure, it bounces back. It's buoyant or it's resilient. It's quite nice fun, quite therapeutic. It's resilient, it resumes, it bounces back to its original position. I suspect like me over these last few months there have been times when you have felt stretched or when you have felt like that uh, table tennis ball you've been submerging under the pressure of circumstances. Maybe it's just the loneliness of lockdown. Maybe there were some health issues that you've contended with. Maybe you had COVID-19. Maybe you've suffered Bereavement in this season, maybe you've undergone some financial troubles or and difficulties and hardship, maybe others of you, like students, have just missed graduation, missed your friends and and it's all been very, very strange and peculiar, and at times we felt i'm sure as individuals, as churches, as family under pressure. But I want to encourage you this morning, that no matter how great the pressure is, that because we as believers are filled with the Holy Spirit of God, we can be very, very resilient. And uh, that's what I'd like to talk to you about this morning. So we're going to look uh, in the Bible at Acts chapter 14, and we'll begin to read a few verses from there, from verse 8. In Acts chapter fourteen, as you're finding it, let me just give you a summary as to what's going on in the passage. Paul and Barnabas are on their first missionary journey; Uh, they are going round from place to place, town to town, city to city, uh, preaching the good news about Jesus, and they are seeing many people respond to that gospel message. Um, And many people are doing that, and they're excited about it. But those uh, who are offended, upset by what they're hearing, particularly the Jewish people are beginning to oppose Paul and Barnabas in quite an active way and we see that in this passage. So they've come uh, from a place called Pisidian Antioch, uh, then they've gone to Iconium and now they're coming to a place called Lystra and we'll begin to read it. Acts 14 verse 8. In Lystra there sat a man who was lame, He had been that way from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed and called out, stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. That is great news. He'd never walked in his life. Imagine being that man. Verse 11, when the crowd saw what Paul had done, They shouted in the Lyconian language, the gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd, shouting, Friends, why are you doing this? We too are only human, like you. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God, who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. In the past he let all nations go their own way, yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their season. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. Even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing them to them. Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, those were the previous stops on the missionary tour, and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. They preached the gospel in that city and won a large crowd of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, where the stoning had taken place, Iconium and Antioch, the places where the opposition had come from." It says this, verse 22, They strengthen the disciples and encourage them to remain true to the faith. Amen. This morning, I just want to uh, draw three things from that passage in the time that I have available that I trust might encourage you this morning to live a resilient life. The first thing I want to say this morning is this, that... The important thing about resilience is that we need to be ready for the troubles when they come. So my first point might be entitled, get ready. I remember uh, a few years ago being on holiday uh, and uh, we went down to the beach one day and it wasn't the nicest of days. Uh, it was actually abroad, not in the UK, uh, surprisingly. Uh, and, and the wind was quite strong and therefore the waves were crashing in quite strongly and were quite big as they crashed onto the the beach. And I remember getting to the beach and we were toughing out a little bit. It wasn't the most pleasant day to sit there and the wind was kind of whipping the sand into our faces, you know the kind of thing. And, uh, but I thought I'm gonna go in for a a swim. It looks quite fun in there with all those big waves. And I remember, as you do, inching out into the water because it's quite uh, cold and I just want to kind of acclimatize myself to it and the waves are crashing in and it's no problem i'm there and you know i'm able to stand quite quite easily when i'm facing the tide coming in then there was a problem i decided to perhaps slightly boast about how good i was doing and how well i was doing so i turn and i look at my wife and my family on the beach and at that point there's a great big wave that comes in and crashes against me and i go under the water you kind of wish you'd been there to see that and as I'm kind of you know uh, struggling around in the water I come back up and there's another wave and it takes me down and it takes me a little while to get my balance what's the relevance of that story well it's this really that when we are prepared we can stand when we take our eyes off the situation or we don't expect tough times to come then they can floor us, and sometimes it feels that they can take us out. And the Bible's very, very, very upfront about following Jesus Christ. It's very um, uh, helpful to us to remember that Jesus never promised that being a follower of his would be easy. He said there would be trials. He says this, in this life you will have trials, but take heart. I've overcome the world so I think the first thing we need to do to be uh, resilient people is this we need to be realistic about the life that we live that this life will have trouble we will have opposition there will be difficulties but that with Christ and with the power of the Holy Spirit within us we can overcome those difficulties Rick Warren, uh, who's an American pastor of a very large church, he's the author of the Purpose Driven Life book that some of you might have read, a great book, a great read, um, is not unacquainted with struggle and suffering. A number of years back now, his uh, son took his own life. He'd struggled with mental health issues and depression for a long time and it, it, it got you know so bad that he took his own life. And uh, but Rick Warren says in that book, the purpose-driven life. If you're facing trouble right now, don't ask why me. Instead, ask what do you want me to learn, God. Then trust God and keep doing what's right. Don't give up, but grow up. If you're facing trouble right now, don't ask why me. And don't we love to do that, Lord? Why me? I didn't sign up for this. I i i you know why am i suffering this way and and they're not don't ask why me instead ask what do you want me to learn god then trust god and keep doing what's right don't give up but grow up. So this morning, I'm not having to go at you. That was Warren's words, not mine. I'd never told you to to grow up. Um, That would be rude. But what he's saying there is actually sometimes those very things that could take us out, that could knock us over like that big wave, can actually, if we lean into the grace of God, can cause us to grow up, to get stronger in our faith as we overcome with resistance. So the first thing is this, we need to get ready Uh, for trying situations. We need to be realistic uh, about this life. And the fact is, the more active we are as churches and individuals for God, the greater the stand is, the greater at times the opposition is, but the greater the power of God is within us to overcome. So the first thing is to get ready. If we're going to be resistant and live resilient lives, we need to get ready for a little bit of trial and a little bit of difficulty. We need to grow up as Rick Warren says. Number two, we need to get connected. So not only were Paul and Barnabas, I think they were ready for opposition. They'd experienced it in the previous two towns that they'd visited but it didn't put them off, they just kept on going. They were ready for opposition. They weren't looking over their shoulders all the time, they weren't scared or fearful, they just kept calling, uh, sorry, uh, being obedient to the calling of God on them and kept pursuing that call but number two, they were well connected. Very interesting, even Jesus sends out his disciples two by two. He sees the importance of us being connected with one another. And if you're going to live a resilient life, friends, you can't do that on your own. You might do it for a season, but you can't do it over a long term. Living alone, you need connection. Uh, I'm a Liverpool football supporter, I've been keeping that quiet for quite a few years but now as uh, uh, as the Premier League champions I can come out of the closet again and declare uh, that that's my allegiance and I support them. And those of you who might follow football will know that their famous song is You'll Never Walk Alone. I think it was originally recorded by Gerry and the Pacemakers uh, back in the 60s and they've adopted that as their anthem and often you'll see all the fans singing with their scarves lifted high. You'll never walk alone. I wanna kind of ride in on the back of that today and actually encourage us as Christians, as believers, if we're gonna live a resilient life, we can't walk alone. We cannot walk alone. We have to choose connected. We have to get connected. Number one, we have to get ready. But number two, we have to get connected if we're gonna be resilient. We need each other. Going back to the passage with Paul and Barnabas, I wonder what would have happened if Paul had been ministering on his own. These, you know, characters came; these Jewish people they came. Such was the hatred that they had for Paul that they travelled a hundred miles to persecute him and spoil the mission. Such was the hatred in his in their hearts that they took outside the that they hardly even knew. And they started pummeling him with stones and rocks, and they stoned him to death. And I believe that that they thought he was dead. I don't think this was a mercy mission, or we think he's you know close to death. That's taught him a lesson. I really think that they thought he was dead. I think they believed that his, his breathing was so shallow they couldn't even see it. And and when they turned their backs and left him on the ground, bloodied and bruised and dying they thought he was dead. Then it says this, but after the, verse 20, but after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back in to the city. I don't know, sometimes the Bible frustrates me because I'm thinking I want a little bit more expansion there. I want a bit more detail. I want a bit more information. What did they do? So one minute Paul is dead or he's very close to death. The next thing, he's got up and he's gone back into the city, not on a stretcher, not in an ambulance, but under his own strength, he's walked back into the city. That is an amazing miracle. But the Bible just kind of, yeah, it's, you know, that's just what happened. It's not the point of the story, I guess. But I'm left wondering, wonder what happened Now, we're into speculation, Terry, of course, when we do that, but but I wonder what happened. Well, I would suspect, and you can disagree with me if you want, that, that, that what would you have done in that context? If somebody from Cornerstone was preaching the gospel and you were witnessing that and watching them and suddenly they were turned on by a crowd and they were pummeled with stones and they were left for dead, what would you do? Well, number one, you might have run by... I know you're stronger stuff than that in Cornerstone. I think what you would have done is you'd have run across to your friend or your colleague. You'd have knelt by their side. Some of you would have bandaged uh, if you had any bandages with you. You'd have soothed them, maybe dried the blood up some way and tried to clean their face. But others of you would have started to pray. And you'd have started to speak life into that situation. I think that's what they did. Uh, I know that it wasn't there prayers as it were that that raised Paul back up to life it was the power of God but but God did that in response to their prayers I wonder what would have happened had he been on his own with nobody to pray with him would God have supernaturally raised him up maybe he would but I tell you what I'm sure that Paul was grateful for his friends that day and if the apostle Paul needs some mates then so do you and I we need some people that can strengthen us can pray for us In the situations we're in and I know over the last few months it's been difficult to connect and we've been stretched a bit in that and it may not be our favourite thing to watch church services on a tv screen or on a computer and it may be difficult to connect and we miss that social interaction but I want to say friends we need it more than ever and if this is the best that we can do then let's be people that commit uh, to, to doing this why number one because we need it more than we think that we need it But number two, other people need us to be there too. So at the moment, you might be thinking, I'm doing really rather well. We've done great in this lockdown. I feel stronger, more vibrant in my faith. I'm wondering whether I actually really need to go back to church when it reopens the doors, whenever that will be. Maybe we'll just you know, take a different rhythm to this. I want to say, irrespective of how well you're doing now, we, we do need, the Bible tells us not to give up meeting together, but to connect together. Why? Because we need one another. And it may be that you don't need them so much at the moment, but they may need you to pray for them and to encourage them and support them and serve them. And I also want to say that there'll come a day when you will need that from them, because none of us is an island so number one if we're going to be resilient we need to get ready for some opposition number two we need to get connected with one another and finally the third thing i see in this passage is that we need to get going We need to get going. Let me read you a little bit more. So Paul has got up. He's been stoned. He's been bashed. He's been bruised. He was left for dead. The disciples have presumably prayed for him. He's got up. He's the power of God has raised him up. Then it says this in the end of verse 20. The next day he and Barnabas left for Derby. Okay, you're thinking, well, Sona, that, that seems friend. That was 60 miles away and he didn't have a nice air-conditioned car to make the journey. You know, he would have made that possibly on foot, maybe riding on some sort of donkey or something, but it was an arduous journey. But this man that was left for dead suddenly is going back into the city. So I just want to encourage you today. And then it says this, they preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. Friends, I believe that if we're going to live a resilient life, that we need to be people with purpose. We need to be people on a mission. Uh, There's a story, there's a book uh, called Grit. Some of you might have read it. It's by a lady called Angela Duckworth. And she talks in that book about the West Point Military Academy in the United States. And she says this, that, that that is the absolute pinnacle of training. It's so hard to get into that place. But only those with real grit and determination get through that. It's not the most academic. It's not the most gifted It's the ones with the greatest amount of grit. Friends, if we're going to have grit, uh, it comes from knowing what you're called to do. And I love it that Paul and Barnabas don't just, you know, kind of go, oh, well, we're a bit discouraged. We're going to take some time out. We're going to kind of rediscover what it is God wants us to do, because clearly this this level of opposition can't be uh, in the plan of God. No, they absolutely knew what they were called to do and they went forth boldly to do it. And I want to encourage you that that we need to be a people that are on mission, that as we come out of lockdown, we haven't stopped being on mission in the lockdown season, but maybe our opportunities widen out as we come out. And I want to pray that we'll come out not just battered and bruised and you know uh, all of that and take ages to get going again but we'll come out full of faith, full of confidence, full of purpose as a church and as individuals that we've got a mission and that mission is to reach this nation and the nations, this city uh, and all of the people in it with the good news about Jesus Christ and that brings resilience we don't have to sit around going oh I don't know what we're supposed to be doing we know what God's called us to do he said go into all the earth uh, and make disciples of all nations so Cornerstone Church I really believe that you are called to be a key influenced church in our nation and I pray that each and every one of you as we emerge into this new season will come out, that will be ready, that will be connected and will just get going in all that God's called us to do. May the Lord richly bless you. Wales needs you. Uh, we need you. Uh, so I just want to cheer you on. Go for it in God and be all that he's called you to do be and do that resiliently in his name. Amen. God bless you.